So elephant in the room. I'm single. And I didn't quite know how to approach this on here. Because on one hand, trashing your ex on a podcast is corny. But also me getting on here and talking shit about everybody under the sun but myself and my personal life is flagrant as well. So I thought if we are to be over, I wanted to do like a sports organization and let my franchise player leave with class and dignity. Especially being she's been on here. She's been on this platform and made pods better. We was damn near business partners. She worked the door for me at shows. So even if it ends, I got to be a real nigga about it and treat her like I would a nigga I don't fuck with. Hey, no love lost. It's all good. Yeah, I'm going to talk shit to my inner circle. I'm going to be like, man, she's just a copycat. She just make up shit and she's a habitual liar. And just, she didn't have a, she didn't know who she was. Like, I'll do all that to like my friends, but I'm not going to say that publicly. So, you, you know, I was like, fuck it. Let's put her on the Jumbotron. When she comes back, like, standing ovation, highlights, hey, it's all good. That's what, I, that's what I thought. So I said, what takes place when it's over will inform how I address it on here. Let's rewind to June. After two and a half months of working every weekend, after sitting down for over a year due to the lockdown, I'm sitting down again. And I won't lie, that did not make for good company on my part. <coughs> we get to Brooklyn, South Slope to be exact, and we're in this very narrow Airbnb that looks like a sitcom set. Except you're walking into something every few feet because the lady who uh, ran the house, she was a fucking hoarder. Like, so it wasn't messy, but it was like, hey, I got this little thing. How about we put this on the wall? Oh, how about a chair here? How about a little figurine? And like just being a big guy, like I'm walking into something every few feet. It's like, God damn, this fucking sucks. Then we go outside. It's hot and sunny. It's hot and thunderstorms. It's hot and raining. It's hot and floody. It's hot and like a fucking windstorm with like all this shit that's on the street flying into my eyes. And I'm rushing to get inside the apartment. This is new to me. And it's been a while since she's experienced something like that. Being she went to college in D.C. So first week we're there. I'm relaxing. I'm doing what you do when you get to New York. You know, you have New York food. You have a, a taco or a burrito and just to see if it's really as bad as people say it is. And you complain about it and you eat some more New York food. And you get on the subway and you see some sights and you walk around some neighborhoods you don't know. And you, you, walk, through, <coughs> you walk through the park and you find another park and walk through there and you watch people play music and you people watch. And you grab drinks till like 2 a.m. till 3 a.m. because you can grab drinks till... 3, 4 a.m. Did all that. By week two, I'm getting restless and texting comics for assist. Fast forward, and I've gone six, seven weeks without a booking and not due to lack of trying. Meanwhile, she's killing it at her job. She's on the phone with the New York Times explaining the rollout for a thing they're doing at her company. She's getting promotions and raises every four or five months. And I'm a cranky motherfucker showing face to some niggas that don't know if I've been doing comedy 10 years or 10 weeks and don't care either way. Of course, I know what I signed up for. But we go out on a weekend, have a nice dinner, see live music, 
grab drinks with one of her wallpaper tech friends and pass by a comedy club, my mood is felt. And it's sad and disgruntled. Because keep in mind, this isn't me moving to the most competitive comedy scene. This is me moving to the most competitive comedy scene after a year-long pandemic lockdown and doing shows for two months on the literal streets of San Francisco during tier restrictions and then bouncing right after everything opened up and you could do comedy indoors again. I wanted to have a few months of traveling and doing shows I'm not producing. She wanted to get the fuck out of Oakland ASAP and look at another two months staying put as another year staying put. So being that I was hesitant to leave right away, not scared, just like hesitant because I know what's waiting for me or I, I had an idea of what's waiting for me. And she didn't want to make this move alone and she wanted to have some financial backing. Not that she needed my money, but it does make for more comfort when you do make a cross country trip with another person. So she offered to take care of a lot of logistics, which she views a lot differently now. Now I'm a man child that just puts up money and nothing else. But like she decided to do that. And then in time, she just decided to deny she wanted to make this move quicker than I did. And therefore, she did certain things to make me go along with it. She and the thing she did, she looked at apartments and said, I'll show Lyle the final three. She booked the Airbnb. I offered to call an Uber from Liberty Airport in Newark to South Slope. And she took the initiative of getting a comfortable black SUV car service scheduled. And I will say a car service is much nicer than an Uber. Even if you get like the luxury Lyft or the <coughs> the, the luxury Uber, the Uber black. It's like you're still getting like just any random motherfucker. But a car service, there's like a little bit more vetting when it comes to that. And during this time, I'm becoming distant. I'm depressed. I'm fatigued. I'm insecure as a comic. I'm insecure as a boyfriend, as, as a lover, because I think she's going to realize she wants to fuck a swirly, tall, skinny white man with a ponytail or a nigga doing pull-ups on a streetlight with a Rolex on. Because she is the type of person that has FOMO and is always on to the next thing like a dog chasing a fire truck. So why wouldn't she be like that with men in a new place? And I didn't feel sexy. I felt gross. She wants to dress up, hit the town, have dinner, have sex. And while I don't hate myself, I'm not happy with where I'm at. I'm not 25 where I can be unhappy with my life, but I still want to fuck all the time. Like feeling feeling sexy actually matters to me. You know what I'm saying? Because it's like when you're 25, it's like or younger or a little older, it's like, yeah, shit ain't right, but who gives a fuck? But for me, it's like, man, I'm uncomfortable. I'm sweating all the time. I'm not used to this heat. I'm fucking not getting up. Like, like <clears throat> I'm not getting booked. I'm trying to find a venue. My life is upside down. I'm trying to make sense of shit. And then now I'm like, I, we're supposed to wine and dine each other. And, and no, I don't feel sexy. So inevitably, our lives just didn't match. We worked in Oakland pre-pandemic because I'm running like 10 shows a month, going on the road, busy all the time. In some ways, career-wise, I had more freedom than her. So even if she makes more money than me, I feel very secure so that shit doesn't matter to me. And if it doesn't matter to you, then it won't matter to the people that really fuck with you. But now, 
the money, power, and respect balance is out of whack. And when you're an artist guy or a blue-collar guy with a corporate chick, a yuppie bitch, a techie girl, the thing they value is you're the party. You're the break. They know they could get another 150K a year nigga to play house with. Especially if they're a little corny or they never really had a lot of friends or they don't know how to dress or they insecure with how they socialize. You know, like they value you more like like, oh, this guy can teach me how to dress. This guy can teach me how to. So he's cool. You bring them community, you know, bars, live events and restaurants. You have cultural capital. I mean, like, yeah, they can Google and find live music and find restaurants and find bars. But you actually like know some of the people you can relate to them more. And I'm not even a nightlife guy, but I just know people from doing stand up for many, many years. Like our very first date, I know the bartender and he hooks it up. Even though she wasn't drinking, he still hooked it up. And I was like, oh, wow, that's cool. We go to a speakeasy after I headline Cobbs and I introduce you to your favorite comedian, Michael Che. You ain't never met a nigga like me. There's nobody in your world that you could meet that could do the things that I was doing. Not that it's the most amazing shit in the world, but it's <coughs> unique for what was going on. Fast forward to August 2021, and I'm just another nigga. Yeah, I'm good at my job, but a lot of people are good at their job. Yeah, I'm good looking, but a lot of people are good looking. Yeah, I'm talented, but a lot of people are talented. And hey, yeah, I'm unique, but a lot of people are unique in New York. And that's the other thing. A lot of bartenders and comics I was being honest with because I don't know nobody. So I was like, well, I got to tell somebody what's going on with my life. They was all saying, if you move to New York in a relationship, you will be single. And I don't necessarily believe that's the case, but I think if your relationship doesn't have a solid foundation and y'all not on the same page about experiencing the same New York, you will be single. And that's the thing is like, cause we had like different versions of what the fuck we thought it was going to be. And I came in knowing the comedy scene wasn't reset. But I didn't know it'd be as difficult as it was. I had an easier time getting booked in L.A. It was like club GMs are telling me they backed up on auditions from comics who was waiting since 2019. I'm shaking hands. I'm trying to find out who's doing what. My two closest friends that were in New York, they fucking joined AA. So I'm like, damn, I don't even have anybody to like drink with. She's coming in thinking I'm going to do four sets tonight and we're going to go out to a late night dinner. And it turns out a lot of the good restaurants close at 1030 p.m. She starts work at 1030 a.m. and ends at 8 p.m. You want to have time to decompress and get right. So now we eat in bodega euros after drinks except on weekends. Not exactly what we pictured. We have an arguments. We live in apologies. After a certain point, you do just want to cut your losses. But so coming into August, I'm getting back to myself. I'm getting booked. I'm making friends. I'm killing guest sets and then getting vouched for doing another show after. It doesn't sound like a big deal, but doing comedy on a weekend in New York. If you're doing comedy on Friday or Saturday in New York, like your money. So as I'm getting back to myself, she's doing a 180. She's becoming a person I don't recognize. 
She gets really into these long fake nails with designs that cost like $275. Not that I have a problem with the nails, but it's the fact that nails have kind of become her personality. We used to make fun of people where weed or woke Twitter was their personality. Now all she talks about is her fucking nails and how many likes she got from the nail page that reposted her and compliments she got from some woman on the street about her nails. Like, I don't know this bitch. She starts rolling her eyes more. She used to use her words and verbalize her emotions and her thoughts. It's one of the things I loved about her. Now everything is an eye roll. It could be something I say, just, uh, whatever, or something at work, uh, then they did this. Like, I remember I said, um, she was like, yeah, when you did that show uh, with uh, such and such, <coughs> and I said, I didn't do a show with him. He did a show with me. And she said, uh, okay, and rolled her eyes. I'm like, that was clearly a fucking joke. Like, you don't, like, ugh, it's rude. And like a lot of people in the corporate tech world, she's become very mean-spirited. There's like, like, because they have this very like mean-spirited, cynical, sarcastic way of casually speaking. Like there's this very, very cunty tone that people in the corporate tech world have. And I don't know if it's because they're like, because yeah, I don't know. They're always like constantly like fixing some problem and nobody's on the same page. And they're just like, oh, yeah, I got to do this. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then they just, they're just like breezing through everything. And the fact that they're on screens most of the day. So they lost like a certain kind of um personal touch. And Ariel is the type of person that never really got to know herself. So she'll use people for their personality or just like adapt their personality. I always had a feeling about this, but it's funny. It's like, you know how like you go watch something and just remind, it just brings something home for you. <clears throat> I was watching the last dance and Phil said, I noticed uh, with Rodman watching Pistons tapes when Chuck Daly would get riled up. So would Dennis. And then when I was calm, Dennis would often mimic his coach. That's Ariel. When she's around her East Coast college friends, she dresses up more and wears more makeup. And it's just a lot, just kind of more lighter. Like, oh, hey, yeah, yeah. When she started seeing me, she got funnier. She drank more, had a better sense of humor, became a lot more problematic. Now she's with her dirt bag, slut bag, tech friends. And she's taking on that. When I met her, she was all happy-go-lucky Disney princess because she just hung out with nerds and her parents. So she's like, yeah, hey, hey, how's it going? I'm happy-go-lucky. Now she's got these asshole yuppie friends, and she started taking on their personality. I remember we was talking about a show I was into, and I said, oh, I got really into that when my dad died when I was 15. And she said, yeah, I can't relate. Excuse me? I said, it's like kind of fucking mean right there for you to say. Like, I, I know you can't relate. I've met your fucking dumbass father. Like, I, I know you can't relate, but I mean, you don't need to be like, and she's like, well, what? I mean, like, I can't. And I'm like, yeah, we could talk more about the show. You could say what took you out of it. Or, and if you just don't give a fuck, you don't want to hear me talk about it. You could just hit me with a, huh, interesting. But to just say, yeah, I can't relate. She's like, I didn't see any. And then it took her like 20 minutes to go. Okay, yeah, I guess that I guess that was bad. I'm sorry. Then I do this show. <clears throat> and it's a show I started. And it was like a 6 p.m. show at a jazz club. I stopped doing it because like the lady that like ran it was just like 
she didn't know which way was up. But and it was like a 6 p.m. slot. And I'm like, man, I'm not going to be like known as the nigga with the 6 p.m. show. But anyways, so. First show was people there. It was nice. Second show. Um, the only people there was the bartender, some lesbian by herself and one comic. She brought her fiance. And then I text to Ariel like, hey, are you coming? Uh, if you are coming, we're going to start now. If not. Uh, I, I was like, if, if you are coming, we're going to wait for you to get here. And if you're not coming, we're going to start now. And she's like, okay, I'm on my way. And I was like, okay, cool. Cause it's like exactly a mile walk. <clears throat> so I'm like, all right, you fuck it. It'll just like, it'll at least be like one person. that's not a comic there. <clears throat> so we do the show. We're all just like working out new bits. I do this thing where I say, um, all right, so let's all do a bit from our very first year doing comedy and let's all guess when we wrote it. And then I, I said, all right, I'll start it off. And then I did a joke about uh seal team six killing Osama bin Laden. And I was like, can you guess when I wrote that? <laughs> and then, you know, it's cause it's like just comics and like while working out for 10 minutes and, and having a free cocktail. So then towards the end, I'm like, Hey, what's everybody doing? What are you guys getting to after? And then one comic, Gabe Pacheco, he says, oh, I got a date after this. Uh, and I was like, okay, how'd you meet her? And he said, uh, she actually listens to my podcast. And then Ariel runs up on stage while I have the microphone. And then she's like, can I say something? And I'm like, excuse me? And she's like, come on, let me say something. I'm like, well, you're not a comic, so I don't know. And then two of the comics were like, let her go. And then one comic was like, no, no. And it was a female comic, of course. It's like, no, no, I agree. I agree. She's not a comic. Like, why, why should she just go ahead? I'm like, okay. So, and I said a few things. And then she literally grabbed the fucking mic for me and says, Apple Podcast is a dating app. And I said, okay, cool, cool. Glad you did that. Have drinks, wrap it up, fast forward, walking home. And I said, um, hey, just so you know, like that that wasn't cool what you did, and I'd appreciate if you wouldn't do no shit like that again. That's exactly how I said it. She flips the fuck out and says, Oh, fuck off. And I say, excuse me. She said, yeah, fuck off. Like, so what? I did it. That wasn't even a real show. And I'm like, yo, you are fucking out of line. And she's like, it wasn't even a real show. If there are, like, real people there, I wouldn't have done that shit. But nobody's there. No, I'm awesome. Like, you make me feel like a fucking Afghan woman. And I'm like, I don't think you should. And this is, keep in mind, this is, like, July, maybe August. So, like, whenever the fucking U.S. with, uh, got the fuck up out of there, and the Taliban took over, that's when that shit was happening. <clears throat> she says, you make me feel like a fucking Afghan woman. And I'm like, you should not be saying this on the streets of Brooklyn. This is, that is home talk. And I'm not going to act like I haven't said some out-of-pocket shit to her, but not on the fucking streets. And then she's like just fucking yelling at me, screaming at me. And I'm like, yo, you mad, you mad out of line right there. Like, even whether it's two people or two, or 200 people there, like, you shouldn't run up when I'm doing my shit. And she's like, oh, I am great. Like, people like me. You were the only person that had a fucking problem with it. And it's like, okay. And even if I am the only person that had a problem with it, you don't just have enough respect for me to just say, I apologize. And she's like, no, fuck you. And I'm like, all right, cool. Real nice. And not to say that, like, I wouldn't get off of fuck you to her ever or, like, I wouldn't match that energy. But I'm not matching that energy on the streets of Bushwick 
as a six foot one black man against a fucking five foot two pale Jewish bitch. And she's not a bitch because she's Jewish. She's a bitch because her parents didn't raise her right. <laughs> so that's happening. At one point, I said to her, I said, you acting like your fucking sister. All bipolar and shit. And then she stops in the middle of the tr- of her tracks, elbows the shit out of me in the stomach, and says, do not say that. I said, yo, don't, don't hit me. Don't, don't elbow me. And she said, I didn't. I stopped walking, and you ran in. You walked into me. I said, what the fuck is happening here? So we get home, and I'm like, you know what? I'm, like, going to feel how I feel about it. And then, like, we talked about it some more. And I, was, I said, okay, fine. Like, you just don't respect the craft of stand-up, I guess. And she said, yeah, so the fuck what? And I'm like, who is this bitch? So I'm like, all right. Okay. I'm not going to lie. I was like, I don't know what the fuck is going on. I got a, a final, the last bottle from uh, my wine club shipment. Took it up to the roof. Drank it by myself, and I was I was fucking in my feelings, dog. I I was fucked up, not not off alcohol, but I was like, damn, what the fuck is going on? And then later I come down and I'm just like, all right, I'm just not gonna say nothing to you. And I was just like, because before I like match her, I'd yell back at her, I'd scream, I'd double down, I'd say something ten times more fucked up than whatever she just said. But I'm like, I, I don't even want to try to do all that. Like I want to I want to bring it down. I want to bring it down. So. She apologizes to me. She's like, hey, I'm sorry. I feel really embarrassed. I had a lot to drink. And that is the thing about her. Like, she drinks a lot of alcohol. She can get real, real fucking nasty. It's horrible. But as an olive branch, she takes me out to this nice steakhouse. St. Elsom. I hope I'm saying it right. St. Elsom in um, Williamsburg. And while we're there having this nice dinner with all these sides, I bring a bottle of Ridge uh, Petite Syrah. We have we had drinks before. I got a nice uh, Ken Wright Pinot Noir. She got herself some little uh, cocktail that's good for the stomach. <coughs> she tells me a story at rapid pace and then says, OK, now you respond like she's telling me like she's like I don't have social skills. And I'm waiting to process everything she said because she just talked at me for three straight minutes. And it makes sense because, like, when you are in that kind of more corporate world, like, you're on Zoom all day and she's talking at people. So her social skills are are not where they should be at this point. So she, you know, and after, like, a lockdown as well, but she's just like, da-da, 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 rapid pace. And I'm like, okay, okay. And there's no way for me like, oh, is that because she's like essentially doing a monologue at me. And then she goes, "Okay, now you respond. Okay, you're supposed to say something with very aggressive hand gestures towards me. And I'm like, this is fucking different. And and keep in mind, like throughout like the our three months there, we've been like on and off in our relationship. And it's at the point now where I just want to put duct tape on the relationship. I realize I got to carry both our water in order for us to make it through. So I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll put up with this. I'll, I'll put up with that, you know? And she would have days where, like, she would just go, like, we'd be out and she'd just go, ugh, ugh. And I'm like, what's wrong? Are you okay? She, and she's like, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. I'm like, 
okay. Then one day we have a storm. It's like one of the days where it was flood, where like the subways was flooded and you got the notification on your phone that said, uh, hey, if you don't need to be out, uh, stay the fuck in the house that, you know, storm warning or whatever. So we're having a real lazy storm day <coughs> and just having just watching TV shows we've seen a million times and fucking around on our phone. And it's lunchtime. I said, um, I was like, hey, I could heat up the pasta from last night. And she said, and I said, well, what do you think of, you, you think, do we need to cook the shrimp now? And she flips out on me. She says, I don't know. I don't give a shit. I don't give a fuck about shrimp. I'm tired of talking about shrimp. I don't give a fuck about shrimp. I'm tired of hearing about motherfucking shrimp. Leave me the fuck alone with that shit. And I was like, yo, it was just a question. And then she was like, well, I don't give a shit. And I said, yo, you are way out of line right here, Ario. And she says, yeah, I don't give a fuck. And I'm like, okay. And she goes to her room, and I'm just sitting there, like, just real distraught. Like, man, this, what the fuck was that about? Because, again, like, I'm in a space where, like, I don't want any more fights. I don't want any more arguments. So I texted her, yo, that was out of line, what you did right there. And she texts me back, I don't want to be with you anymore. <laughs> I'm like, yo, what the fuck up? So then I go into her room, because we have separate rooms. And I'm like, what the hell? She's like, yeah, I just don't want to be with you. And I'm like, um, okay. Like, I'm trying to, like, just get my bearings in this. And then she basically says, like, you know, obviously getting upset over shrimp is some dumb shit, but I find myself getting mad at you when I shouldn't get mad at you. When you're just doing you, minding your own business, I find myself getting pissed off at you over stuff that happened in the past. I find myself, I feel like we've just had too many fights together. I feel like it's to the point where even if we do have good times, we've just had such strong fights, it makes the good times feel dirty. And... I said, I was like, I didn't say like, okay, I agree. Let's break up. And I didn't say like, no, no, please. Let's stay together. I'm like, there's no conversation. There's no, like, this is real out of left field. And she said, I know it seems less field to you, but for me, this has been building up. And I'm like, well, I kind of wish you knew because I wouldn't have followed you across the country or I would have said, Hey, let's do the Airbnb, but look for separate apartments and maybe not live together. Like I would have done some shit like that. And she's like, yeah, well, there's never a perfect time for it. And she's being like real cold and real callous. I'm like, okay. Um, all right. <clears throat> so I said, you know what? For I could tell you need to cool down. So I'm going to get myself a hotel for a few nights. And she said, no, I don't need to cool down. I'm breaking up. And I said, I, I, I know you're breaking up. I'm just saying you seem like I feel like the tension. I feel your anger, your aggression. So I'm just saying, like, let me just get out your hair for a second. And she's like, thanks. That'd be great. And I'm like, what is wrong with this bitch? So I got a hotel in Manhattan for three days to keep the peace. I booked it for two. And then I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to add a third day. And it was not comfortable because it was like I got it off hotels tonight. And it wasn't like a shithole by any means. <clears throat> but it's like it's the type of it's kind of like getting like a a room off hotel tonight at the MGM in, in Vegas. 
where it's like you're basically just staying in like a storage unit. It's a big building. It's stuffy. Uh, the air conditioning's all fucked up. Air conditioning's super noisy. It's like, this is not comfortable. And I'm staying in like the, the financial districts in the financial district. So it's like, it's, it's tall buildings everywhere. It's like, you don't, you got to like walk a long ways to get some natural sunlight. It's like all these tall buildings blocking sunlight. And it's like, this is just so fucking uncomfortable. I slept like shit. Did Uber eats. I was like, man, I don't eat like I was, And I had a show then too. I had, I had like a show out in, uh, out in Manhattan. And then, like, I went to the sh- and like when you're going through shit, like especially like when you just have like a out of nowhere breakup, and then you got to go do a show. Especially when like you don't know any of the comics like that, you really gotta like just keep a strong face. Fast forward, I come home. I had sushi delivered to the house and some roses, and it, it's. It's real awkward, but, you know, was working through it, make a few remarks to each other, but, you know, nothing, nothing too warm, nothing too cold. She's definitely, those three days helped her, you know, helped ease the tension she had towards me a bit. Then we grab dinner because we are still all we got for the time being, and these dinners are fucking awkward. None of my charming tricks are working. The jokes work, but they working because I'm a 10-year vet comedian. It's like a crowd that doesn't want to give it to you, but your skill set is so sharp, they just have to give it to you. And then, like, she's like, just, I'm just being like, hey, like, just can we at least, like, be, reach something that resembles civility? And she just, like, isn't saying shit to me, but she still is going out to dinner with me. And I'm thinking, like, I wish it was some reset button I could push, because this is fucking awful. We at this Cuban Chinese restaurant in the city. And we have this cornball black dude waiter that used to do improv. And he's making jokes about the tension that he feels at the table. And like it's just it's just fucking fucking awful. But then, you know, we start getting along a little bit better. So I propose an idea. I say, how about this? How about <coughs> you go to the Bay Area for Rosh Hashanah, see your family, celebrate your culture, your religion, see friends, have a good taco, come back. I don't want to, but I'll go out for my birthday. I'll see my friends. I'll go... D- Enjoy being able to get on stage as often as I like. Enjoy some California wine. I'll have a taco. (laughs) Niggas just need to have a taco. And then I'll come back. And then we can see how we feel. And then I get up out your hair. But at the very least, you clearly need some space for me. And this is a financial way. So to just give us a buffer. I said, how does that sound to you? She said, that sounds great. I love that idea. I said, cool. While she's out, I'm like, I'm getting more bookings. I'm, I'm getting a few paid spots. I have a, a meeting with, with uh, some venue owners. And I'm like, okay, oh shit, I'm about to like really produce like a, 
uh, 8 p.m. Saturday show. Shit, we on. This is cool. Ever since like this bitch left, my luck's been up. All right, cool. She's out there, and like we have, and I'm trying to like just have, you know. Wait, wait, wait. I skipped a part. I skipped a part. Three days before she's to leave, we're getting along very, very well. You know, I don't got to say what we're doing. You know what we're doing. We're pretty much being a couple again. You know, we're, I don't want to say we're together, but like we went on walks. We fucked around on the shitty pool table. We went out to dinner. We was saying, I love you. We was doing what you do. Now, she wakes me up the morning before a flight and she looks sad as hell. She's just looking at me with the saddest eyes and I'm like, what's wrong? And she's like, Ugh. she's like, this is it. I'm like, what do you mean this is it? Like, I'll be back. I'll see you again. And she's like, I know, but I just, I'm like, well, hey, do you think maybe we could like do such and such? And she's like, I don't know if that's a good idea. And I'm like, we had a great three days together. And she's like, those three, the past three days have been amazing, but it's not reality. Last three days have been fantasy and I'm glad we got to do it, but it's not real. And I said, keep an open mind. She said, I won't promise anything. I said, all I ask is you keep an open mind. And she just kept saying, I won't promise anything. Then she's gone. I'm getting more bookings. My luck is up. And I'm making friends with bartenders. And like, and then the homie Diego gets in. Like, the day she leaves, the homie Diego gets in. And then we're having drinks together. And like, it's, it's, I'm like, okay, cool. Like, I, I can see myself having a future out here without her. And I said, you know what? Let me extend. Some, well, I didn't fuck up. So I don't really need to extend an olive branch. But what I did was I got her massage gun off amazon because she's always complaining about like her back and shit so i'm like all right let me get a massage gun i wrapped it up i went to trader joe's <clears throat> i got little stuff that she could enjoy i got um you know i threw the dishes in the dishwasher i i, I made some meatballs that was just waiting on the stove for her because i thought she would get in the same day but i guess you know she lied to me about when she was getting in so i do all that then she gets in and like we switch play and I'm, I'm like, yo, um, you know, I don't really want to be, I'm like, let her know, like, Hey, I got some shit waiting for you. It's like, hope you enjoy it. And then she's like, nothing. I'm like, Hey, just so you know, um, I'm going to a place I don't want to go to for my birthday. So I realize we're not going to be all lovey dovey over text, but it'd be kind of nice if you could just be somewhat cordial being, I am extending this courtesy for you that I don't want to fucking do. And she's like, thank you. That is nice. And I'm like, this bitch. But whatever. So. <clears throat> I'm out here. And I'm I'm having an awful time, obviously. In the Bay Area. Because I'm like, I don't want to be here. I've got, made traction. Like, I'm doing these shows. I don't even really want to fucking. No disrespect to the show producers. But I don't really want to fucking be out here like that. So. I call her up and I'm like, yo, what the fuck is going on right now? Like, and she cusses me out. And I'm like, what the fuck's your problem? She's like, yeah, a wine glass broke in the dishwasher. And I'm like, I'm sorry. You know, I didn't grow up with a dishwasher, but uh, I was just trying to do right by you. And she's like, she's like, you must think I'm fucking stupid. I'm like, no, no, I, I really don't. She's like, you think I'm fucking stupid. I'm like, I, not, not at all. She's cussing me out on the phone. And I'm like, 
Look. What the fuck is your problem? And she's like, my fucking problem is you just don't give a shit. And I'm like, did you see the gift I left you? And she's like, yeah. And I didn't tell you to do that. I'm like, I know you didn't tell me to do that. Basically, she said, fuck my gift. Fuck you and all this other stuff. And I said, all right. Um, you know, I can't at least get a thank you. And she's like, okay, thank you for doing that. I do appreciate you spending your birthday out there, even though I know you didn't want to. And then at one point she says, well, so what? So you... You don't want to be in Oakland. You don't like which one is it? I'm like, all right, yeah, like don't do that to me. So we in the phone conversation, and I'm like, all right, cool. Then it's my actual birthday, and I was like, let's see if she wishes me a happy birthday. She did not wish me a happy birthday, so I'm like, we are definitely over. And I said, you know what? I'm just gonna stay in the bay. I'm gonna do, uh. The shows I agreed to do, so it was, I had shows booked from, uh, it was Saturday to next Saturday. So I said, you know what, I'm going to do these shows, and then I'm going to get on a plane on Tuesday, and then I'm going to just start looking for a place, and that's it. Friday, I get a text message with the fucking UPS tracking link. Hey, I sent all your things here. Blah, 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 blah. You are not allowed to return to the apartment because this, this. And she, like, made up a bunch of shit, said a bunch of shit that didn't happen, brought up shit that happened, like, long ago. And and no accusations of violence. She didn't say, like, you punched me or you smacked me because I never did. But she was like, 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 you're mean, you're disrespectful, you leave shit, you ask to stay. And I never asked to stay longer. I, I said, like, what if I... I was I was given ideas for how like we could put duct tape on the relationship, but I wasn't like, please let me stay in your apartment longer. Like, and she was making it sound like I'm some bum ass nigga. And then she says, and then she's like, I will pay you this much, and for this, but I will deduct it from this. And then there's like old security deposits and stuff. I said, you want me to pay? You want me to pay this? And she's like, no, 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 don't pay it. So she's bringing up old shit that I offered to pay for that she declined. And she's saying she's going to deduct that from the rent money that she owes me. And I did pay for a few months rent in advance. Just so like, like, okay, I'm out here in the streets doing what I do. I don't want you to have to worry about money. So if you see me like chilling or being lazy on a day, Hey, that money's already in your hands. So don't come at me on no bullshit. She is still not paying me my money, and she fucking illegally evicted me. So now, I gotta fucking sue that bitch. Season four, let's go. This is the Let's Unpack That Podcast. I'm your host, Lyle Barrens. Thank you very much for tuning in. Today, we will be unpacking post-breakup self-care. Cause there's really no guy for niggas as we go through this. You know, it's like women, it's like a million Marie Claire articles about like how to fucking handle it and, and all this other shit. There's no nobody tells niggas how nobody tells guys like, you know, hey dog, this is like what you should be doing. This is what you should be doing. All we know all we told is like, hey, just go out, drink, fuck a bunch of bitches, and then stop crying like a little whore. You need to fucking get over it. But like it's it's no self-care on the way for how we get out of a breakup. So that's what we that's what we're gonna get into. Hope you guys enjoy the show. 
And also, please share this episode. Like, subscribe, send it to a friend. Blah, 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 blah. Really fucking helps me, okay? Hope you guys enjoy. Enjoy your week. Be well. Be safe. Be good to each other. I love y'all. And I'm happy to be back. The day-to-day is going to be difficult getting out of a relationship. Even for me, has she not been a scumbag on the way out? I'd still be somewhat fucked up. Because if you're with somebody two years, three years, four... Shit, at three years, that's you being with somebody for more than 1,000 days. And that three, four, seven years, however long, was X amount of days of having somebody available for insight, sex, adventure, companionship, intimacy, familiarity, routine, and now they're gone. Even if you're independent, self-sufficient, that's still a lot of boxes somebody checked that are now vacant. It's almost like a death. And I've been around death. I know it's nothing to play with. But it's like death in the sense of like an athlete that you love retires. Or a TV show that you loved is now over and like all the characters' conclusions have come to an end and the storyline is over. And you're like, damn, that was like what I look forward to like every other week. Shit, now it's over. Damn, I got to find a new show. And just like a show that you loved. But but the athlete, the athlete thing, like, like Kobe Bryant, for example. Kobe came in the league in 96 and retired in 2016. And in my, I was born in 1990, so in my conscience, I knew of Kobe since, like, 97, 98. And so, like, when he retired, like, I didn't cry like I did cry when he died, but I did feel, like, a sense of kind of, like, I guess, like, grief, a little disbelief, because it's like, man, this is this dude that I grew up rooting for, and I've seen ups and downs, and it's almost like, wow, like, I've seen, like, him... I've seen him win championships. I've seen him not make the playoffs. I've seen feuds and all the stuff that we know about through Kobe's career. And then I'm like, all the shit I've been through in my life. And not that I'm like, when Kobe's doing this, I was doing this. But in the sense of like, man, I've really grew up with this guy. And then now he's fucking gone. It's like, man, it just kind of feels fucking weird. And that's just like somebody that you have no connection to and that you're never going to meet. So you bring it to a relationship. It's like, shit. You really feel the grief. You really feel the disbelief. You really feel the, damn, it's over. And on the day-to-day tip, it doesn't really set in until like maybe the 11th day, maybe the 15th day, maybe when you're like halfway through the first month of being separated. Because you'll see something like something like like me. I'm, I'm with Alaska Airlines. That's where I got my miles at. Among JetBlue and some others, but... But you'll see like a flight special in your inbox from my airlines and it'll be to like a destination that is a couple's destination. It'll be to like some fucking Caribbean island. It'll be to France. And you're like, man, this ain't boys trip material. Like, I got to go here with somebody that I'm fucking and that I have like some intimacy with. God damn it. Like a new restaurant will open up that looks good. And you'll be like, man, I wish I had somebody I could try five dishes with. And now I got to decide if I want to go there solo and be a fat ass or it's like 
or get it delivered to me or a pickup order and then just <laughs> eat this decadent shit in a carton and home by myself like you got to make these decisions like that's when it really hits and then because it's like when you see the airline specials when you see like that new restaurant you want to try you're crushed all over again my current situation is unique i haven't gotten through it so i'll like i can't give advice on it now but no matter what, the first month is hard. And, and you know, you know, I like to be like 30 days builds a habit. And these are the third. These are the first 30 days. You're not speaking to somebody you shared years with. So you got to be nice to yourself. It's really important. You're nice to yourself. Self-care is key. Don't be afraid to be a piece of shit. And I don't mean in a toxic way. I mean, a I mean, like, in an old, lazy-ass kind of way. It's nothing wrong with drinking a little more than you normally do. Eating a little more than you usually do. If you gotta have days where you just hold up in a dark room playing video games for eight straight hours, then do that shit if that's what it takes. If you gotta, like, just order Panda Express and fucking watch Parks and Rec or The Office or just, like, some fucking, like comedy that's not really a comedy that doesn't have a laugh track but it's meant to be funny <laughs> you just gotta watch that shit for like eight straight hours while picking it some fucking orange chicken on and off and then maybe like nursing gin and tonics then you gotta do that shit while fucking around on your phone because like vices that you only indulge in on like say your birthday vacation holidays or a celebratory thing like you just graduated or you just got a promotion or your new job or whatever, you should feel free to do that when you are out of a relationship. Especially if it ended on some scumbag shit like mine did. The other important thing with the day-to-day and getting out the relationship is to be mindful of your media consumption. Be mindful of the media you consume. Kevin Samuels is for when you killing shit in life and got a girl. Or you got girls. <laughs> That's when you should listen to Kevin Samuels. You don't want to go through a fuck these bitches rabbit hole because that energy is hard to get out of. And it's especially bad if your goal is to attract people. Good energy doesn't come from listening to a nigga that keeps talking about why women suck and why you suck with women. That's not good energy. And also, let me just say, and this is no disrespect to to Mr. Samuels himself, but I don't I do not know one Kevin Samuels hive nigga that I'd say has good energy. They can be cool, they can be solid people, but that ideology of women are flawed because of society and their biological makeup and we can't meet them with an ounce of compromise or empathy because we have balls and they have uterus and it's testosterone versus estrogen. That's not fucking reality. And that's not reality anymore than these nutty feminists that think the world should stop anytime they feel uncomfortable because they bleed once a month and can create life, but don't make the same amount of money for doing the same fucking job. It's like, hey, shit shouldn't stop for fucking you, okay? We we all feel uncomfortable. Get the fuck over it. It's this tunnel vision of gender hate content and ideology you can find yourself becoming a weirdo in. For me, what got me out, my first breakup, 
Marvel movies, and sports. It was NBA, it was history documentaries, and superhero movies. And I'm one of those cinema purists that hates the superhero movies where it's like 80% green screen. Like, really, the only superhero movie that, like, I really, really, really like is the Christopher Nolan Batman movies. And it's like, you know, you make him, like, not Batman and some other shit, and it's still, like, a great movie. In fact, I think if it's not Batman, I think, like, those movies actually get nominated for more Oscars. But the point is, you gotta turn your brain off. You gotta avoid the triggers. You gotta keep your mind right, because it's easy to get on bullshit. Like, with me, when I was watching shit, no romantic storylines. No romance. You gotta avoid the triggers. Not saying, like, you gotta turn off life and just, like, live in a bubble. Because you're gonna have to look at couples. You're gonna have to see love. But you gotta take care of yourself where you can. You gotta be nice to yourself. Like, right now, me, myself, as I'm going through my bullshit... I am listening to a lot of film and TV podcasts. I'm just listening to motherfuckers break down movies, break down actors and filmmakers' careers. I'm watching history documentaries. I'm watching NBA is coming back, so that's going to be good for me. It is going to be rough for me watching uh, the final season of Insecure because that's something that that, uh, me and old girl watch together. So it's going to be like, damn, that's... That's going to hit a little bit, especially because the first season of Insecure, I remember I watched it and I was single. And I was thinking like, man, man, me, me and the ex were like this. And then I get well, what's her face. And then we're together for two seasons of Insecure. And then we're like, oh, man, we can't wait till the next one. And like, damn, we're going to be watching this shit alone. And I know both me and her are going to be watching some scenes where we're just like, damn, that's us. Damn, that's me. Damn, that's you. Oh, yeah, that's us. And it's ugh. So my point is, you got to put on your bulletproof vest and thug it out as you go through this time. And also, part of the day-to-day coming out of breakup, you got to set boundaries with your friends. This is extremely important. Because when you're in a relationship, you will see certain people less. And it's because you start to take inventory. You know? Because it's like, okay, obviously you you got your job, you got your career. And outside of you making money, you only have so much time in the day. So between grabbing a workout, whatever hobbies you have, it's seeing your girl and seeing your friends. And you start to get an idea of what friends are worth your time. Because it's not always, this nigga got a girlfriend, and now he's soft and don't want to hang. Sometimes that's the case, especially if it's like a first girlfriend, a first love. But sometimes that's not what it is. Sometimes, from the perspective of the guy that just got booed up, sometimes it's, so I can spend my time getting pussy, some good food, going on a day trip, or I can spend my time hanging around this guy that likes to talk a little too much for my taste and isn't really socialized and just wants to hang at the same places. Which one should I pick? You start becoming more practical about your time. That's why women always drop one friend for good when they get a man. Because, like, you know, like, 
They talk a lot of shit about that friend, like, during the courting process. And then by the time they get the man, they're like, I realize I was just killing time with this little toxic bitch. But the natural thing is to go back to the friends you kind of froze out a little once you're single again. And I know, because not that I've ever really done that. Well, I have done it, but I mean, not to the extent other people have. Because I'm the nigga where, like, it be niggas where, like, I ain't seen them forever. And they be like, hey, hey, Lyle, what's popping? Hey, hey, what's going on? I'm like, damn, I haven't heard from you in a minute, sir. And then they're like, yeah, yeah, let's grab some drinks. Let's grab some drinks. And then they tell me all their problems. Cause, and this is whether I'm single or I'm taken. I guess there's something that... J- I guess Lyle Barron's just, like, reeks of, like... <laughs> oh, like, fuck it, Of the streets. I don't... And I don't mean that no, like, gangster nigga way. I mean that like a fucking... Yeah, nigga, come in the gutter with me. Have some drinks. Yeah, we gonna be with the bitches. <laughs> Not anymore now, though. Um, but anyways, so... I got a friend... That is a social micromanager. And a social micromanager, what I mean by that... Is he tries to use situ- he tries to use social situations to assert some sort of alpha dominance, and like me personally, I'm like nigga, I already know who I am. Like, go ahead, do your thing. Like, 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 try to flex. Unless he like really gets on my nerves. Example of that. He'll be like, "Hey, Lyle, you want to meet somewhere?" And I'll be like, "Like, like, yeah." He'll be like, all right, I'll pick you up. I'm like, nah, it's all good. I'll just meet you there. And he'll insist. That he picked me up. And I used to be like, yeah, yeah, pick me up. But he would do shit. He was like, all right, I'm going to go run two errands. All right, I'm going to go do this thing. Like, one time we went somewhere, and it was some dude who was walking. And we were, like, in a kind of, like, not, we were, like, in in the hills. And he's, like, is some dude walking by himself with a backpack. And he's like, hey, what's up, man? You need a ride? And I'm, like, me being, like, the nigga that I am, I'm like, hold the fuck up. If you pick this nigga up, I'm walking. I, I, don't, I don't play that shit. And the guy was just like, no, I'm good. And he's just walking. I'm like, this nigga could be a serial killer. You already know You already know where my mind's at with this. If you listen to me enough, you know where my mind's at with this. But the point is, I look at that like as, as a sort of microaggression. Another time, it was, um, it was my birthday. And my actual literal fucking birthday, it was... And, so it was like, it wasn't like the birthday where it's like, oh, we doing shit on like the Saturday. It was literal birthday, which fell on a Wednesday. And we was at Chalita Linda. Chalita Linda is this place in Oakland where it's like Cuban food and they do some like they do some like really good fish tacos and some tacos and blah, blah, blah. It doesn't matter. We're in line. And behind us is a white lady. Holding a small boy. He turns around and says, would you like to cut in front of us? And I just shot him a look like, nigga. And like, and before I can say anything, she's like, oh, no, it's fine. And he insists again. And even if she said, yeah, I have this thing where I don't let white people cut in front of me. I don't let white people and their fucking dogs go ahead of me. It's like, it's not even like, oh, you're white and you run the world. It's just the fact that they're so naturally obnoxious. You got to set a precedent to be like, no, I don't fuck with that shit. But anyways, my point is he does a lot of shit that's under the guise of this under the banner of like 
yay, I'm a good guy. But it's like, nah, you just really trying to like pull your dick out. But then when you get called on it, you'd be like, oh, I was being nice. So anyways, this friend hits me up. I tell him like the situation that I told you at the top of the show, everything that's going on. And he's being real difficult about meeting in a place. I'm like, look, nigga, if you can't meet, it's all good. I'm, I'm straight. He says, hey, let me just pick you up. Let's get in the car, ride around, go up to the hills. That's how we say he, that boy likes the hills. Go to the hills, see a view, and I'll bring some beers. And I said, uh, nigga, no. First off, like, I don't even like drink beer like that. Second of all, I'm not trying to be fucking doing that shit. Like, here's the thing, right? If I was still with my bitch, do you think I would be doing that? Nigga, fuck no. So if it's not good for me when I got a girl, why the fuck should it be good for me when all I got is me? Don't let your selfish friends make you a dusty ass nigga. It was really fucked up in the scenario as I'm the one going through it. That man should be coming to my world. But selfish friends don't care about your self-care. Selfish friends aren't invested in your mental health. Selfish friends are concerned with your comfort. Selfish friends are concerned with themselves. And, and I mean, and like my whole relation to the, to dude, it's like, you know, he's like, I know he's got my back at the end of the day and he's proven himself when, um, when it really mattered. But I mean, that is just something I know about him. It's like, yeah, you, you're, you're a good dude, but you're selfish. So what I'm saying is with your selfish friends, your selfish relatives, identify that and distance yourself with that. Distance yourself from that. Because if something wasn't good enough for you when you had in-house pussy, then it shouldn't be good enough for you when all you got is your hand. And obviously pussy is better than your hand, but your hand belongs to you. You own your hand. You were born with your fucking hand. You lease the pussy. Treat yourself with more respect. It's cliche to say, but you really got to date yourself. Because like I said, like if I wouldn't go to a dive bar in a relationship, then I don't need to be in a dive bar as a single person. And the reason for that is, if I ignore my self-care and my standards, and let's say I take all available distractions that could lead to short-term pussy, short-term short -term Ws, I'm taking some long-term Ls shortly after. Because then you wake up one day and realize that your life was better when your relationship was at its best because there were standards set in place. And that leads you to start thinking your relationship was better than it was. Another thing when you're out the relationship is you have this thing where you're kind of almost like a double agent. Like you see both sides. Like you have another perspective of yourself. And I don't even want to say perspective, but you have an extra vision of yourself that other people don't have. Maybe I didn't set this up right. Bitches feel extra mean <laughs> when you're out of a relationship. Like, like if you just go out like, and just like a woman, and I'm not even saying you court a woman. I'm just saying 
women can feel harsher, especially if you got dumped. Especially if you got dumped. But just in general, women can just feel a little harsher. A woman can just be a little rude to you, and you just be feeling like, can you bitches give me a break? I've been through enough. Oh, that probably explains why, like... <laughs> it explains why, like, so many of, of a certain type of women can just be a fucking asshole. Anyways, um... Like, example, okay, so... After everything that happened with me, um, I actually, because like I, like I said at the top, I was like, all right, I'm going to do my obligated shows. The bullshit happened. And I'm like, all right, I cannot be in Oakland all this time. I was like, I need to be around some niggas that love me. Oh, that's another important thing out of relationship. You got to be around niggas that really love you. I got no niggas that really love me in Oakland. I got niggas that got love for me. I got niggas that got love for me on the basis of i'm a comedian and they're a comedian i got niggas that got love for me in the sense of they know me a long time and like we've gone out and just had a bunch of drinks but i don't have any niggas that love me in oakland i don't i got no niggas that love me in the bay i got niggas that love me in la because it's guys that have known me since i was 16 years old since i was fucking seven years old since i was born since i was eight years old I got niggas that have known me for a long fucking time, and I'm like, I need to be around people that really, really fucking know me, and have seen me change, and seen me grow, and accept me for fucking me, and like, have known me before I was a comedian, have known me before all this other shit about me. That's really important. So anyways, so I go out to LA, and what's funny is, I actually go out to LA, and I get this Airbnb, because I'm like, look, I'm not really trying to do no comedy like that. I'm trying to heal. I'm trying to get my mind right. I, I know I'm going to be fucked up for like the next couple months or whatever. Just with the way it ended, you know, like putting all your money in with somebody. And like the thing, because nigga, like I went all in. Okay. Like I fucking, I like putting on shows. I didn't, I didn't even want to have the option of like, all right, I'm like, <coughs> okay, if shit is slow in New York. I'm going to go fly out to the Bay Area and I'm going to go produce some shows, get my money and come back because that's how like you stay in a trap. That's what fucks a lot of comedians up. Comedians get fucked up by being on this sort of thing of like, well, I live in New York until I run out of money. I live in L.A. unless I got a girl. I live um, and then fucking then sometimes I'll be in the Bay and sometimes I'll be in Denver and then blah, 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 I go to Austin. But then I go to Austin until like them niggas ain't fucking with me. And then I will go. It's like, no, that's what fucks you like. Stay in one spot, nigga. So anyway, so my chairs, I had 25 chairs. I sold my chairs. I had an email list. I sold my email list. And not that I can't buy more chairs or like send off an email list anyways, but I'm like, here, Marad, have that. Take that. Give me your money. Okay? I didn't want the option to come back. So anyway, so I went all in and blah, blah, I got fucked over. Point being, I was like, I need to get my mind right. So I get an Airbnb in the Palisades, like near Malibu. And I'm like, it's, it's a bitch to walk around. I'm going to have to get a car to get anywhere. But it's cool. I don't want to see nobody I know. I mean, I want to see niggas I know, but I don't want to see, like, no comics like that. And I just want to be, like, off to the side. In this Airbnb, it's a bunch of fucking stomping because I'm in, like, the guest house. And there's, like, a nice view or whatever. And there's a sign that says, don't smoke weed. But then above the porch, they're smoking weed. I actually got to see what they wrote about me on Airbnb. 
by the way. <laughs> but that's the story for another day. So I'm there and I'm just like trying to like I'm just trying to watch I'm just trying to write, watch HBO Max, and I'm just hearing stomping, stomping, stomping to the point where I'm getting a fucking headache. So I said, you know what? Fuck it. I left early. They was being like some assholes about like letting me out. It doesn't matter. Sorry for another day. So Get a hotel tonight in Santa Monica. By the way, if you want to know the amazing hotel, it's called the Ambrose. It's Santa Monica. It's not too close to the pier. It's not too close to like downtown. It's walking distance from there. But at the same time, you're off in this nice little corner. Wonderful area. So anyway, so I go out there and we also do some content. By the way, you guys are going to have some lovely YouTube videos coming your way. We, We did some great pods. Me. Matt, Illa, Will, going to be great. But the point is, I do all that. Then it's like, you know what? Nigga, we need to go out. You going through it, blah, blah, blah. We need to go out. So it's our homie Keon's birthday. And Keon is this crazy Caribbean nigga that loves the bitches. Somebody's listening to this like, so he's just a Caribbean nigga. <laughs> <laughs> Caribbean niggas, they love they they love them some pussy. Anyway, so Keon's out. It's Keon's birthday, and Keon's in like Keon's like about 35, 36. But he lives life like he's fucking twenty four forever. So we go out, and and this is part of my like bitches feel extra mean. So go out. And I'm like, we just got done doing like like a two and a half hour pod that you guys are, are going to hear soon. And I'm like, yo, Will, I need to get something to eat. So we go to this place. It's called like E-Box or something. And me being the bougie motherfucker that I am, being that like I had like a rough birthday and all that. I'm like, you know what? I got this wonderful super tusk in this bottle of Tenutu Sanguito. Let me see if they got a corkage fee. Able to open the wine. But it's... Blah, blah, it doesn't matter. Look, I got some awful service, and the girl was just, it was just like one of them, like, just shitty young kids that just like, how dare you order food and ask to open a bottle of wine when we are 45 minutes away from closing? It's like, yo, I'm just getting some fucking generic fucking off-brand Asian fusion food. You can't just, like, give me these fucking noodles and this fucking well-done beef cubes chopped up in it. And just, like, be halfway decent, didn't offer water or anything. Anyway, so I'm sitting there feeling like, these bitches ain't fucking with me. What the fuck is wrong with these bitches? These bitches. <laughs> and she probably has, like, some other bullshit going on in her life. Not even, like, probably just mad that we came in when we did. Like, she could be racist. I don't know. But the point is, like, I... T- like, like when you out of a relationship and a woman is mean to you, you get on your Michael Jordan last dance shit, or you just like, and I took that personally. <laughs> so fast forward, we in the club, we at Circle Bar in Santa Monica, and Circle Bar was just a breath of fresh air. Because while I was in Brooklyn, the one thing that I was disappointed with was the nightlife. And I didn't like, I didn't know anybody like take me anywhere. But the nightlife, it was a, the music you would hear is very similar to what you would get in Oakland or San Francisco. It was a lot of Afro beats. It was a lot of fucking rap vocals over remixed house beats. I'm not a fan of that shit. I, I like hearing 
I'm a USDA, I'm a USDA organic black man. I like rap music, nigga. I don't, I don't like the fucking 120 BPM. Play me the original track. And we walk in there, going crazy to Nipsey Hussle, to Kanye West. Like to dog, Heartless came on, and it was funny because we're we're bouncing like Nip, we bouncing to like some classic Pac and Bi, we bouncing to Drake, Lil Baby, you know, just all all the Dub Baby, all the shit. <laughs> that nigga's not canceled in the club. I'll tell you that. <laughs> so uh, we we having a good time, and then we hear in the night a he call it, and then me and Will just start cracking the fuck up. And then we put our arms around each other and we wrapped the whole fucking verse of Heartless. And I'm like, this is what I needed. I needed to be around niggas that love me. How can you be so Dr. Eva, homie? I don't know. She's hot and cold. That's my groove because you already know how this thing goes. You never find nobody better than me. Like, it's fucking good. I fucking love it because you got, like, the West Coast piano riff. You got the 808 drums. Like, that, that shit is, like, Heartless is just such an underrated song. Like, it's not his best song, but it's just, like, it just got so many dope elements. Anyways, we having a great time. We got bottle service, you know. We, we we got like we got some like kettle one vodka with a bunch of coon juice. We got like guava and Red Bulls, and we're mixing all that shit together and just feeling right. And then niggas is coming around like we got some shots of mezcal and tequila. Like it's great. We stand on top of the couches. One point, gotta go to the bathroom. Me and Will roll to the bathroom together. He's my cousin. Don't be weird about it, nigga. So we're like, like cause you never know. Niggas might try some shit. Or we, you might get some pussy on the dance floor just walking across. Like, whatever, you know? I'm trying to get some pussy crumbs for my cousin. So we walk across the dance floor, go to the bathroom. Everybody's respectful because we're over six feet tall. Then walk on the way back. This is blonde bitch. And she just looks and then does like that, just that real bitchy thing where she puts her hand flat right by her neck and does it back and forth real quick. Like, now, 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 now. And I'm like, you fucking bitch. I'm trying to get back to my section. You on a fucking dance floor and I'm in the booth with my niggas. Like, what you? And it's like bitches would just be like mean and want to reject guys because they can. That's something we don't talk about enough, you know, because we talk all this shit about like, you know, like fucking like Lizzo's body and fucking you see like these think pieces by some like big white bitch that like clearly ain't never fucked a nigga. And like the think piece will be some shit like men will want to fuck me. Plenty of men want my number, but none of them want to be seen with me in public. And it's like, what you know, it's like, hey, oh my God, it's so sad. But no, he really talks about like just niggas getting dis randomly. Or casually, casually, not randomly, casually. But it's important to be around niggas that you love. It's important to realize that during this time, bitches will feel extra mean. Which leads me to my next point that you go through post-breakup. Am I tripping? Shit, I mean, I don't know. Should I feel like this, man? I don't, I don't know. Like, am I tripping? 
Like, I'm all wrong. I'm, I mean, I don't know. Like, I mean, I sound like a bitch right now. I, I kind of feel like a bitch. I don't know, man. I'm just acting like a bitch. Are you? That's a valid question. Because I, I say that because sometimes, like, okay, sure, maybe you could be. Maybe you could be in your feelings. By the way, why is being in, being in your feelings shouldn't always be wrong? Being in your feelings should only be wrong when you on bullshit. Sometimes you very much should be fucking in your feelings because somebody did some shit deliberately to get in your fucking, to disrespect your feelings. So you're exactly where the fuck you need to be, nigga. <laughs> But the am I tripping thing, like, feel how you feel. Don't invalidate your feelings. Because if you're asking yourself if you're wrong for feeling bad when somebody hurt you, chances are you should feel bad. And the problem with that is, like, like, like when we feel bad is, you know, we, we try to justify it with, with you know, our um our first world luxuries hey well at least i'm not living in barstow uh at least i'm able to drink this at least i have a roof over my head and yes you are blessed to have those things you know me is somebody that's going through it i am blessed to have a roof over my head despite getting evicted illegally after having an agreement in place awesome bullshit and a bitch shedding white tears okay i am blessed to be drinking this beautiful uh, Santa Barbara Pinot Noir. I am blessed to have niggas in my life that love me. But don't let your blessings discount your trauma. Because we let our blessings discount our trauma and then wonder why we keep making the same fucking mistake. Oh, because we don't want to sound like a bitch. Well, guess what? Sometimes you're not sounding like a bitch. Sometimes, like, you got legit beef. Oh, you beef with girls, nigga? Nah, nigga. Girls beef with me, nigga. Be around more girls. You know about it. I love it. <laughs> This is what happens when when you're only child and you you like your own big brother. You gotta like, you gotta be hard and soft on yourself. Even outside my own emotions, I take inventory of other people. For example, I talked about getting back to work after the pandemic. Two and a half months of running shows. My right hand man. Help me run the shows. Max Setti. Max, really, really, really fucking funny comic. Solid dude. Max had um bit of an attitude when we got back to work. And not an attitude in the sense of like, you know, he he had an issue taking orders from me. He had an issue relaying orders to other people, being he was he was like my number two. Max had an issue, uh, he, he was just, like, real fucking crass, and he was just, it, he just needed to dial it down a bit, but with Max, he told me where he was at, he was like, look, dude, um, 
I had roommates. I was doing comedy every other night and blah, blah. My life was great. Making money. And now I'm at my fucking parents' house and, you know, and I'm not going to get into like all the other stuff he was telling me, but he's like, and I had no pussy in over a year and I'm really, really fucking upset about that. So me, I was like me being like, I was like, you know what? Let me take all that into consideration. I'm like, so even if I think like the way Max is expressing himself is like a little bit much and I think he can stand to dial it back. I think it is lacking a, a tad bit. I th- I think it's lacking some professionalism. I got to keep in mind where we're at right now. So you know what? If Max needs to blow off a little bit of steam, he hadn't had no pussy. He back in the crib. You know what? <laughs> You're wrong to feel you're not wrong to feel the way that you feel, Max. Like that's how the fuck I felt. And I was like, I get it. I get it. Even though he was doing some shit that was getting on my nerves and just I, I was like, all right, nigga, you got like two more weeks of this shit, and then I gotta pull you to the side. <laughs> but it was like it's like I get it. So even if Max was a bit much, he's not wrong for feeling a little cagey. And I mean, this is like a little bit more nuance because the feeling can uh, translate to actual actions. But what I'm saying is for feeling how you feel, don't feel bad for feeling how you feel. If you feel like shit, then you should then think about like, OK, well, why do I feel like shit? Like, think about it from piece to piece to piece. I remember what's funny is the homie hit me up one time and he was like, man, you ever just had some shit happen and you just like get fucking angry? And I was like, oh, nigga, yeah. <laughs> and I told him, like, normally what I do is I start piece by piece. And for me, like, when I'm feeling fucked up, like, I would just be feeling bad. And it'll be like, normally because, and I think about when I feel bad at the behest of somebody else. And it's normally because somebody made a remark about my weight that I thought was out of line. It's normally because somebody made a comment about my career I thought was out of line. and. It really comes, really like the shit that really bothers me is judgment. And it's like, nigga, who the fuck are you to pull that card? That's the shit that can just happen to me like during the course of a day. And I said that to him and he said, yeah, I think it's because I ain't eat all day. I'm about to get some Chinese food. <laughs> I don't know, man. You, you, you got to track uh, where all the bad shit that you feel comes from. But the shit we all want to do out is rebound. Rebounding properly is a good way to get yourself through the pain. Rebounds are fine. I'm sure I've been a rebound for for a woman. God knows I've had my share of rebounds. And, And by the way, when I say rebound, it is not meant to be a derogatory term towards women. Because men can be rebounds, women can be rebounds. It's not to say it cheapens you because you fuck somebody. If anything, I think if you fuck somebody fresh out of a relationship and you are the first person they fucked out the relationship, I feel like that earns you like a gold star. <laughs> Except you've, I don't know. I feel like you should get like some sort of brownie points or like some sort of just automatic good karma for that. Anyways. I think a lot of people lose track of what rebounds are for. 
Rebounds are for when you out the relationship and you need to remind yourself you still got to like that. And there's more to life than that one person you was with for a thousand and plus straight days. Because we obviously know we're fuckable to other people, even when we're in a relationship. Well, especially if you're a guy. Like, like when you like that first like six months in a relationship, <laughs> that's how fucked up women are. Like, because it's like, like, oh, hey, hey, because like you know, pussy smell pussy, and it's and like women really throw it at you when you're in a relationship. Like, you just get more offers. It's it's fucking terrible. But the other reason for rebounds is a confidence booster. Or you just need to get the mental gymnastics out the way. And the mental gymnastics out the way is this thing of like, oh man, she could be on a date right now. She could be getting her cheeks clapped. And then you like watch a TV show and there's a sex scene. And you'd be like, is somebody doing that to her? Somebody doing that to her. And you think about all the times you was hitting it from the back and you was hearing like the clap, 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 clap thing. You're like, is somebody doing that to her? And you feel all some type of way. And she's like, man, just go get you some pussy. Get out the way. So, you know, you did it, too. So if she doing whatever she doing, you're like, all right, cool. I did it, too. Like, ain't nothing we ain't already did. And ain't nothing we already done did after. You know what I'm saying? That, that, that That's another purpose for a rebound. And there's this thing, like, when you have sex with somebody <clears throat> out the relationship, when you have sex with somebody for the first time after being with somebody for so long, especially after fucking the same person for, like, less, like two plus years, where you're, like, a little sad. Especially if you're using your signature moves on her. And if you're doing something sexually that you picked up during the relationship, it's like, okay, you know, you know what I like? I like when you eat my pussy and you hum. Mm. Mm. Ah. <laughs> like that, and you do that. <laughs> You do that a new girl, and you're like, oh, fuck, oh, fuck. And you just, oh, it's natural to feel a little sad. Especially if you used to like the same body. It's like, oh, man, I'm used to her curves. I'm used to, you know, and you may be used to like a mole or like a little, a, 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 a birthmark or a little scar somewhere, a little freckle. And you just, you're just very used to that. And then, yeah, you you having sex, but it's like, damn, I like this feels weird. It's I I don't know an analogy I, I could put on it. I, the only thing I could think of it's like <laughs> I'm about to take it back to sports. It's like, man, it's like it's like when all the players you like from the team, and then and then like they just start tanking, they draft new guys. You're like, what the fuck is this? Or it's, with some pop culture shit, it's like, oh, when Michael, when Michael Scott left Dunder Mifflin, but I don't know, but yeah, like, like you, there's a certain sadness to it that you just you just gotta feel. That's also why it's important to have sex because, like, you out of a relationship, out of a relationship, it's like, man, you gotta feel that shit. 
But then sometimes, like, when you do your signature moves on the new girl, it can also feel like a form of, like, private payback. Yeah, now I'm making her moan with this technique. You don't get these moves no more, bitch. <laughs> I think it's really important, though, that your rebound sex be for you and not your ex and not a memory. Your rebound sex should be for you and obviously the girl you're having sex with. Because you're not doing some sick shit like filming it and then sending it to her. So what you do in the bedroom should really be for you. And obviously the woman you're with. She should enjoy it too, especially if you want to fuck her again. Because if you start fucking for the idea of competition, a memory. And if you're fucking for the idea of competition, you're fucking for a memory. It's all bad. Because that's a slippery slope of going into the I'll fuck anybody that's down territory. And then, next thing you look up, you're fucking below your weight class. And then, you just feel like shit. And then, you just end up missing your ex more. You fucking all these women that ain't even really your type. Just because you got vivid images in your head of another man playing with the pussy of a woman you do not own. But she owns a piece of your heart, a piece of your mind, at least for the time being. And the idea of somebody just playing with her pussy. Now, I'm not even talking about putting the dick in. I'm not even talking about bending her over and just wrapping her hair like around their fist and then just grabbing their skull, just grabbing their scalp and then bang, 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 bang. They go, ah, 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 ah. And then they all sweaty out of fucking breath and shit. <laughs> I'm not even talking about that. I'm just talking about a little, just playing with the pussy. Just teasing it. <laughs> the idea of that occurring fucks with your mental health. So sometimes you just got to go out and pop a dick in somebody. Sometimes that is the way out. But the sooner you do it, the quicker you realize it's not everything and more healing has to take place in order for you to move forward. It's not just about, oh, let me let me fuck her. Let me fuck her. Let me fuck her. I told you we're going to start season four off strong. (laughs) The other thing with rebounding is you do not want to foul out off a rebound. You don't want to foul out. For me, my ideal rebound. And I was I was luckily successful in this recently. My ideal rebound is a woman that looks different from what I just had. And both my exes have similar looks. It's funny because what's her face saw what's what's her face. (laughs) And she said, yeah, the first time I saw her picture, I was like, oh, fuck. She looks a lot like me. (laughs) And I was like, I said the same thing, but with a lot more enthusiasm. I was like, yeah, nigga, round two. (laughs) I don't know. Lyle Barron's likes his Mediterranean women. Lyle Barron's likes his... Fit, thick Mediterranean women. You know, like this. I'm open to all types. I've, I've, I've slept with, you know, black, white, Latin, Middle Eastern, you know, 
fucking Asian. Like, I've, I've been all around, but, you know, Mediterranean is my vibe. But anyways, um, I like somebody that's light and easy. And I, and I honestly prefer if our emotional connection isn't too strong. Because I've had rebounds in the past where I've kind of tried to subconsciously, I don't want to say continue the last relationship because i wasn't like me and my ex went to these restaurants and did this thing on sundays now you should do it with me too hey let's do that hey let's go to this brunch spot we went there hey let's let's do that but i've maybe unknowingly and in 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 the past been a little too quick to want to establish a light routine i've in the past definitely not use the chick as a trauma center, but just like, just maybe told him a little too much about like my ideas on love and loss and life. And it's like, this is supposed to be fun. And like this nigga laying up being all philosophical after he beat up the pussy. What the fuck? Now I don't even feel like my pussy was beat up because this nigga just talking too much. It's this scene on the final season of The Sopranos where AJ, the son of Tony Soprano, is in a psych ward after trying to kill himself over a girl. By the way, if you didn't like watch The Sopranos by now, they already got the prequel movie out. Like, uh, spoilers ahead. Anyways, AJ is in a psych ward after trying to kill himself over a girl. It broke his heart. First love. Tony Soprano had just gotten fired by Dr. Melfi, his psychiatrist. And the son isn't in the room, but Tony. His wife, Carmela, are talking to the therapist. And Tony easily starts talking about his own problems. Starts talking about his mom. And then his wife gives him a look. Like, don't you fucking start. And that scene was for comedic effect. Because because the final season of Sopranos is such a dark season. So they're like, all right, like we, we gotta have some like little comedic mo some comedic character moments in the in the show. Comedic character mean like, oh yeah, like, I mean, cause that's like what the office is. It's like, yeah, it's not necessarily the best jokes, but it's like, yeah, Dwight would do that. Yeah, Stanley does like his cross puzzles. Yeah, Jim would do a prank. It's like just, oh, these are these are your friends and you're coming back and and you know they're you know the jokes and the gags. But anyways. You don't want a trauma transfer to a new person. By the way, that's that's a, a phrase I'm coining, trauma transferring. Trauma transfer is when you're with a new girl that was kind enough to help you cleanse your dick of your evil ex. She's a nice girl. She's healing from whatever other shit she got going on that she's not telling you about, but she's just letting you know a little bit like, yeah, and I have love. I went through this and went through this. She's just planting like a little seeds, a little Easter eggs here and there. But meanwhile, she's being a productive member of society, not hurting nobody. And then here you come rubbing your dirty shoes on her mental carpet. Rubbing your dirty shoes on her emotional carpet. That's fucked up. You don't want a trauma transfer. Because I had, I've had uh, my very first girlfriend. She trauma transferred to me. She uh, got with me. And she didn't really, because she was somebody that 
did not uh, access her emotions. And then she brought her issues from her last boyfriend over to me. And then had me competing with niggas that wasn't even around. Or maybe they were around. Ooh, bitches be spooky. (laughs) Other thing with rebounding and getting out the relationship is how high should the standards be? Because when you're single, you never know when you're going to fuck again. Or you never know when somebody you want to fuck is going to want to fuck you again. My litmus test for that about like, oh, are my standards too high or too low? My thing is, am I willing to be seen with them in public amongst my comedian peers? If the answer is yes, then I'm like, it's all good. It's all good. I'm not going to try to compete with the past. My other thing is, you don't need to try and top your ex. Like, if you can, if you can, like, fuck hotter than her, great. But you should at least fuck laterally. Like, if you had a, if you had a thick chick, go get some skinny thigh gap pussy. If you had a petite girl, go get you a tall bitch. If you had a super fit chick, go find you a girl with more to love. And that is if you're, if you're open to variety. I'm very open. Y- y- y'all know my type is like curvy, thick, fit, 5'8 to 5'10. I'll, I'll, I'll negotiate with height if all, if all those other uh, those other things are in line. But I'm open to a lot. If you're not a picky son of a bitch, try the different flavors. Because that, that is what rebounds and, and being newly single is for. Is for trying out the different flavors of life. You got to fucking do that. You got to experience the different seasons. You know what I'm saying? You go through all that. Natural thing where you do a postmortem on the relationship. It's only natural. But you can turn the postmortem into some necrophilia shit with your dead ass relationship at a certain point. Get the medical bill. And revisit your dead relationship when you live some life in between. Because it's important to know the, the purpose of a postmortem relationship report. It's not to bash your ex. It's not to feel you won. It's not even for you to share with your ex once you get all the insight and pick up all the other shit. Unless like there's some shit that you just like really need to go back to. I'm not going to judge you, nigga. I'm with you, brother. I'm with you, king. But the purpose is to gain clarity that your ex won't give you because they're a fucking coward. And then from there, direction on a path forward from the wreck of the crash is what you should seek it's what i seek let me give an example like i said earlier with the homie max i take a lot of stock in reading people and part of reading people is knowing their habits and what they're capable of on their worst day that's this line i love in the movie jackie brown i I like how like there's always a pop culture sidebar Line I love in the movie Jackie Brown is uh, Sam Jackson and Robert De Niro. And I, I, I can't remember the, the chick's character's name, but Sam Jackson says, let's just call her Bridget. One thing about Bridget, I can always trust Bridget to be Bridget. 
That's real. So, the girl that I was talking about up front, the one that's come up on this podcast before, I think about the way she spoke about her ex. She spoke about her ex like he was just such a fucking loser. And he sounded boring like a lot of the people in her life that she adores, past and present. But he didn't sound like a loser. He didn't sound like he was bad. He just sounded like he was bland. But she's also, like, kind of bland. A lot of the people she likes are bland. But when she would talk shit about him, it felt like it got real personal. She talked about his clothes, his dick looking weird because it's not circumcised, his sister just being the most stupid bitch ever, his best friend sucking. Oh, my God. Eugene is just so what? Oh, my God. I fucking hate Eugene. And she didn't, like, really say what Eugene did. She was just going about how much she fucking hated Eugene. Her opinions on how he carried himself as a man. And she says some other, like, just real disrespectful shit I don't even feel comfortable saying on here. But just some shit where I'm like, damn. Damn. And shit, like, in the moment where I'm like... Like, we obviously all talk about our ex and say some intimate shit. But, like, she says some shit about him that just kind of made me... And this is maybe why, during our relationship, I always felt like there was, like, a pebble in the shoe of a relationship. You know, when you get a pebble in your shoe and you're just like, damn, fuck, this is, what the fuck is this? I think the pebble in the shoe in our relationship, for me to her, I can't speak on, on the other way because I'm sure she probably has something with me. But the thing for me to her was how quick she is to throw people under the bus that were a major part of her past. Because, like I said... If you a real nigga, if you don't stand with somebody till the end, you pretty much say shit yourself. And that's something that really bothered me about her. When she spoke on him, it felt like there was no love left. And and I don't know about you. For me, like... I, I have been with somebody that was not over their ex, like, you know, my first love. And even still, I'll say, I, like, let's say I have another girlfriend again, which, I mean, I'm not really looking for, like, for a very, very uh, four years. <laughs> Just getting burned the way I did, you know, PTSD. It'll come up later in the season many times. <laughs> but it's like, for me, let's say I have a girlfriend again. When she talks about her ex, I want her to still have some love for him. She's like, yeah, yeah, we we just don't talk because we shouldn't talk. But, you know, th- there's still a part of me that, like, has love for him. I want that there. Like, like me me and her, there was this girl. I'm not going to get too into it, but this is a girl. Um, that, uh, met her at a show. And she's a college student in Santa Barbara, and I was seeing her. And um, I fucked around and fell in love with the girl. I'm not going to lie. I did. And I don't think, like, like we, best sex of my life. I never admitted to her, but it was the fucking best sex of my life. And, uh, you know, um, at one point, she's like, hey, do you love her? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I, um, I do. I love you, too. But, yeah, I still, um, yeah, there's still love for her that still exists. And she said, okay, I can understand that. 
Yo, as I talk this out, I'm like, yo, she did put up with a lot of shit. <laughs> like she fucking wrong for how she dealt with it, but I'm like, all right, I get, I get how how my shit could have been building up for years, but I was honest all along the way. Anyways, I wasn't gonna like leave her for her, but I was like, you know, like love is still there. So my point with all that is now that works for me. As a reference point, because I see every time she like would refer to her past, especially her ex, it was always just like straight humiliation, annihilation. It was like fucking all gas, no brakes. And I'm seeing that my last girlfriend was a shark bitch. She decapitates in every way possible. It's and I don't even I don't even think it's on some shit like hell half no fury like a woman scorned because she does this with relatives she does this with friends she's quick to throw people in the garbage she's quick to turn on people why does she do it she comes from a line of fickle people she has a very capitalist mindset she comes from a you can be replaced train of thought the things that make her love hard make her hate hard. She gets caught up in the moment and doesn't process her emotions, whether it's good or bad, love or hate. She's a slave to the moment, which makes sense. Why she wants to be a fucking tech CEO? Tech CEOs are stupid. Look at OnlyFans. Yeah, nigga, we trying to get this bank money. So y'all can't be y'all can't be sucking no dick on there. And then everybody's like, whoa, what the fuck? Like this. You realize the reason OnlyFans you got money is because we've been sucking dick? All right, all right, all right, all right. Oh, shit. They about to bounce. All right, all right, all right, never mind. You can suck dick. We ain't fucking with the banks. Never mind. Never mind. Y'all good. Y'all good. Actually, OnlyFans is not a tech company because technically it's only web browser. They don't even have an app. All right, my bad, my bad, my bad. I'm sorry. This is fucking entertainment. Oh, yeah, yeah. I like how I'm getting this imaginary argument off. But the point is, she has no respect for her past once it's the past. And the path forward in that, for me, is listen to how motherfuckers speak on their exes, how they speak on their past, how they speak on people they know aren't a good fit for them. Because it's not just about their exes or people that they fucked and now they're done with. I think if you're capable of throwing a motherfucker away just because you outgrew them or you think differently now... That is your nature with a lot of other things. So for context, in my situation with the person you heard on here before, I have more perspective about why she would do some of that shit. So with all that information now, all I can do is just look at her as the immature, easily influenced copy machine that she is. And after that, what do we what do we want to do after all that? In the end, we all want to win. We want to have sex first. We want to be dating first. We want to be in a new relationship first. And that shit doesn't matter. In the end, if you want to win, it's about the glow up. Who fucks first is irrelevant. Who goes on a date first is pointless. In the end, the idea of somebody playing with her pussy and clapping her cheeks and, and fucking choking her while her legs in the air and just dicking her down 
and doing like j- just ab crunches in the pussy. It's going to fuck with your mind either way. Especially me. I got fucked out of money for a place she's likely getting her cheeks clapped at right now as I'm fucking recording this. And that is fucking infuriating. <laughs> Not like I'm giving money, but it's like like I paid this I paid like months, months, months of rent money in advance and she's like refusing to pay it back. So, you know. But she's probably like having a time of her life. But that shit doesn't matter. Unless you're OJ Simpson. That shit doesn't matter. It's all about the glow up, dog. And the glow up doesn't take place a month out. Two months out. The glow up takes place three to six months out the relationship. The glow up is, are you living better? Did you upgrade since being out on your own? Fresh out the relationship, dick and pussy don't matter. What matters is... When you are seen or are seen with somebody, you want your ex to say, oh, now this motherfucker want to step up their game. Look healthy. Look fresh. Look better on paper. Because that's how bitches get back at niggas. That's how women get back at men. We try to do shit they only half care about. Oh, I'm going to fuck a gang of bitches. Yeah, that's really going to show her. So what? We fuck like, I'm and like, what is a gang of bitches? A gang of bitches is all relative, you know, or a batch of bitches. It's like, it's, it's, I mean, I don't know. It could be, it could be six. It could be four. It could be 12. Like, like if, if you play ball overseas, I don't know. You probably got like, I don't know, 27, 38. If you fucking, <laughs> I'm trying to bring it down on the most regular nigga level possible. Like, so if you play ball overseas over that, you know, like if you like a fucking, Fit nigga making like, I don't know, 200K plus a year. You know, I don't know, 17, I don't know. And if you you a nigga like me, I don't want to say. No. <laughs> My point is that shit don't work. Oh, oh, I'm going to fuck that girl. She always thought I fucked, but I never did. Now I'm going to really fuck her. That only bothers them a little bit. That only bothers them halfway. Because how do they hurt us? By being happy. They get their body right. They stop wearing their hair like they go into class. They travel. They smile. They get money. They they find some shithead friends and like, all right, okay, you you kind of a dumb bitch, but you won't be my friend now because like you like going out and I like your nails. Look, first girlfriend, ex-girlfriend, when she moved to Panama, she sent me a picture of her in a two-piece bikini near a waterfall with shoes on, and she looked amazing. And that shit drove me crazy. I was like, now this bitch want to tighten up and look happy and smile? What the fuck? Because <laughs> that's the key. Tighten up. Be happy. And you shouldn't live for anybody but you, but you don't want to be on some... Well, I'm doing the same shit I was on when we broke up. Because that's going to affect you mentally if you still care. And you don't. And if you do care, you don't want to be on the same shit you was on before, on paper and on photo, because that's not a glow up. Kendrick is about to drop his final album on TDE. And the press release... 
He said this thing. It's got free rent in my mind, as the as the nerds on the internet say. Said this thing where he said, and obviously Kendrick is gonna want out of his TDE thing, because it's like if you're Kendrick Lamar, why are you gonna keep letting Top Dog, you know, fucking take the significant cut that he's taking? Like you're gonna leave. It's not gonna be because I think with Eminem and Dre, I think I think they really have. Even if like Dre ain't making beats for him no more. And they only see each other so often. I think the reason like Eminem is still in that deal with after. By by the way, actually, message me, email me if I'm wrong. If I'm wrong about my theory about this, and you have some other thing for paperwork or some other proof. My my theory for why Eminem is still in aftermath is because one, I think like he has a certain sense of like blind loyalty towards Dre. And I, I think that also comes from because there was that whole Vlad thing where it's like, so was Eminem a guest in hip hop or, or or whatever? And Lord Jamar broke down how he's a guest in hip hop. I don't even know. It doesn't matter. But the point is. Even though he's like, you know, I'm not a guest in hip hop, I think he's aware he's a guest in black. I think he like is aware, but he's not aware. Like, I think that's where, like, his his loyalty comes from. Some could say, like, no, that's, like, just, that's Detroit. No, that's, like, blue-collar sort of loyalty. Like, because blue-collar guys are more loyal are more loyal than suburban dudes or whatever. And, like, that is true. But I think, like, you look at his relationship with Proof, his relationship with Dre, I think, like, that's why Emma still, still has the, is, like, I, probably, like, the last Aftermath artist left. This is funny. It's this is funny because I'm gonna like start looking at like rappers' record deals. Like, okay, so Kendrick is gone from TDE, but is he still on Aftermath? Like, I don't know. This 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 isn't a rap podcast. Uh, Let me move on. But Kendrick said in the press release, there is a beauty in completion about his final final album on TDE. My situation right now is a very dark time and it's hard to find beauty in it. Getting thrown out your own place illegally over nothing. Having somebody you thought loved you shed white tears and really just throw down that white Uno card on your ass. Now nigga out over here turning to fucking Dr. Umar. Find out they were don't mean shit and essentially... Have you homeless to where you got to fucking hire a lawyer? All this shit is the worst. It's fucking terrible. I can't even really spin it. My homies can't spin it. But the beauty is in the fact my growth and life doesn't stop at sharing an apartment in Brooklyn with a copy machine that turns on people because she's unfulfilled inside and never really found out who the fuck she is. The beauty is... Is in experiencing the different seasons. And really realizing this about the journey in life. Because right now, I, I really can't make sense of this relationship. I'm really in a fucked up place mentally, emotionally. I ain't gonna lie, nigga. I'm having nightmares and shit. I'm having like really bad dreams. I'm having. Like, this just really caught me out of left field just because we in agreement, we was getting along, and it's actually said some other shit, I would have gone along with it, 
I was waving the white flag and I was like, look, I want to stay together. That's not what you want, blah, blah, blah. Like, I'm real fucked up right now after going through this, especially just being that the way she went about it. She did the thing that white boys would do in grade school where it's like. All right, when it comes down to when the teachers come, all right, now you're going to snitch. All right, now you're going to now you're going to be like. We wasn't playing when we was both talking shit. When we was both like play fighting. Now you would be like, no, no. Then he did this. Now you want to do all that. And now it's like, yeah, she's doing it too. But my point is in all this, and th- and this is like the little silver silver lining I could take from my situation, is. I was tired, you know, I was tired from sitting down and I'm back to work and I'm, I'm having to deal with crackheads on the street coming up to the stage. I'm having to deal with disgruntled customers. We got to sell tickets and pack, got to live it, blah, 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 blah. Um, you know, I ain't gonna lie. I, I, I had a little entanglement, you know, when I was in LA recording the, the, the pod that's on YouTube, I, uh, I, I met with a lovely young lady and, you know, I slipped up. And so, so like, through all my problems and I was just thinking, like, man, I just can't wait to get to Brooklyn, start a life, start a life. And that's going to be the best part of my year. Because I'm, like, pandemic, lockdown, doing these fucking shows on the streets of SF. This ain't it. Now, looking back, that was the best part of my, my year. I'm like, you know what? I fucking loved fucking doing that and just like the consist- consistency of that and being back to work a- after so much time, you know, even though like the people were assholes and getting and weren't used to drinking out, they're probably used to drinking at home and then like they have like a, a professional making their drinks and they're not drinking hard seltzers anymore, or, like whatever the fuck they drink at home, you know, even though that was annoying, it's like, yo, I'm just glad to be out again, you know? I'm glad to be out working again. I look at when when we was doing our final. We're not going to be in the West Coast for very for for a while. Trips. We went to Napa. We went to Maui, and I'm like, and Maui was like, we did a pot about it, but Maui was a pain in the ass because like it's it's, it's a bitch to get any excuse me, it's a bitch to get anywhere on the island. Blah blah blah. blah it doesn't matter. Looking back, I'm like, that was fucking great. Going to Napa was fucking great. All trips to wine country was fucking great. And for me, it was just like, all right, this is just a brick. And now I'm like, no. That brick for like the 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 home that you thought you was building is, is a nice memory right now. It's not to say it's always going to be a nice memory. But right now, it is the best memory of my year. Because I'm like, I wish I could just go back to that time. And then you start going, th- you do the time machine bullshit where you go... Man, I would have done this differently. I would have done that differently. But it's the time I wish I could go back to. It was beautiful. And then even after this, a highlight in my year. Being in L.A. around niggas that love me and have known me since I was fucking 16. Have known me since I was fucking six years old. Have known me since I was born. I felt great. And part of the glow up, part of the growth, part of growing, part of like just getting through it is realizing 
Your life doesn't stop with this bullshit. You got more to offer. You got more to experience. Keep your head up and keep moving. This has been the Let's Unpack That Podcast, and I've been your host, Lyle Barrens. Thank you very, very much for tuning in. If you guys could do me a huge favor, please go to Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star review, and a very kind note. Also, send to your friends, send to your loved ones, send to the homies. It's really appreciated. Um, I know I don't really be saying no real shit until like, you know, 52 minutes in. But if you guys could be like, well, whatever you guys was like, you need to hear this. You need, oh, this made me think of you. Send that shit to them. Send, send the mark. That's that, that's real appreciated. Share on, share on your social media stories. Share on the Twitter feed, the episodes, all that good shit. Most importantly, be good to yourselves. And enjoy your week. Thank you.